Tonight at, at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to continue to progress along uh, the teachings of the steps. Uh, tonight, we're going to be addressing and, and looking into step eight, is that we had made a list of all persons that we had harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. Now, typically, you know, as I've seen through the years, that someone begins the process of healing by trying to get sober or trying to get free from some destructive um, area of their lives, and they instantly want to go make apologies to everyone. You know, and truly, you know, that the steps are in order for a reason, you know, that there was a lot of thought that was given to why certain things were in certain places, you know, and it's truly important that, you know, we don't try to run around and say our, our sorries to people because typically at this state of our lives, my I'm sorries don't have very much value. That we've said our sorries, you know, more times than we can count. And truly we're sorry because you're upset, not because I'm really remorseful. You know, and, you know, I'm still trying to, to clear my head and trying to figure out what's going on in my life, you know, so to truly, like, get ready spiritually, emotionally, you know, and then eventually relationally to make amends with people, it's important that you get your steps in order for, and start working through things. You know, it's important that you, you know, work on step one and realize that you're powerless over, you know, drugs, alcohol, sex, cupcakes, whatever it might be, you know, and that your life is unmanageable and you start down the process of allowing God to come in and heal you, that he's going to restore you, that you're turning your will over, that you're preparing yourself emotionally, spiritually, that you have a sponsor, you have accountability partners, you have a relationship with a local church, a pastor on some level, you know, that, you know, these are things that really help us as we progress through some of this deeper cleansing, deeper healing you know, as we do a fourth and a fifth step, you know, when we begin to look at our life in entirety, you know, I call it the blueprint. You know, I, I see the blueprint of my life. I see why I keep making some of the same mistakes. I see why I keep dating the same person. They just have a different face. I see why I, I keep running from certain types of people, certain types of situations. You know, and we become entirely ready for God to remove these defects of character. And then we humble ourselves and then we ask God to take these shortcomings from us. You know, there's a reason that we've been progressing through the steps to this place where we have made a list of all people that we've harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. But as you're doing your steps, you typically have already made your list as you've written everything down in, in your four step. You know, so your list is already present. You know, and there might be somebody that's straggling that didn't make it onto your four step, but most likely... You know, anybody that you have harmed is on your fourth step already. So as you're going through your fourth and your fifth and you're bringing God into the equation and you're asking to let go and you're asking for healing and you're asking to forgive and you're asking to forgive yourself, you know, you're already starting this process of healing. And as you analyze it for yourself, you're starting to look at the nitty-gritty. You're starting to look at the details. You're starting to see some of the patterns. And as you meet with somebody that has a good idea how this 
this process works, that they've gone before them, that somebody helped them through their steps, that they have a relationship with Jesus. You know, that, you know, I worked my steps without somebody that had a relationship with Jesus, and there was a, a lot of healing that took place. You know, but I also worked my steps after I came to know Jesus, and there was an explosion of healing in my life because Jesus takes us to a whole new level because we understand that God loves us and he's intimate and he's here for us and he comes into our life and he restores us and transforms us. So I believe that it's very important as you go through this process that you are growing in your understanding and your relationship with Jesus, not just going to church and not just having some higher power, which for me before Jesus was me in the sky with superpowers trying to get Tom's will accomplished, which ended up into a lot of more pain and destruction. You know, I remember when I came through the, the doors of the rooms many, many years ago that I was an atheist, and they told me I needed a higher power. And finally, I, I realized that I had some issues that, that there was no way that I could change. And I began to pray. You know, so I say that A led me to God, but my sin led me to Jesus. You know, and it's so important that we realize that, you know, sin has a big part to play in our lives. You know, even today, I'm a sinner saved by grace. You know, that, you know, left up to my own devices, I will make big mistakes still today, you know, and I have to stay close to Jesus. And when I do make mistakes, I need to come back to Jesus and come back to my accountability partners and, and confess and get prayer and healing. You know, so I'm understanding this process of making amends, which is truly change. You know, but as we really begin to look through it, one of the reasons that we don't like to look at our fourth and our fifth step is we don't like to look at all the junk that we've done and all the stuff that we've been through because we've been spending the majority of our lives keeping this stuff, you know, tucked away, you know, stored in our denial closet. You know, and many of us have been using drugs and alcohol and sex, you know, and and various other things to keep that stuff suppressed, keep that stuff stuffed down, keep that stuff, you know, locked away so I don't have to really deal with it. You know, so as we begin to unlock the door, you know, things feel like they get really emotional and messy. You know, and a lot of the reasons that we continue to use and, and be dysfunctional on one level or another is because that stuff has not really been processed or dealt with. So as we're going through our fourth and our fifth, we're dealing with this stuff, you know, and we can be very emotional and can be, you know, going through a lot of spiritual warfare, going through a lot of craziness, and we don't really understand why, you know, and that's why it's so important to have people that are grounded in their word, that have walked through this before you, that, that know how to pray, that can teach you how to pray, that it's not just going to church, it's not just going to meetings, that I need to have a relationship with God every day, you know, and I need to be pursuing God every day. Because the big book tells us that we, you know, have this issue, and God could relieve us of this issue if he were sought. Now, you can fill in the blank. You know, many of us have many issues. You know, alcohol and drugs was one of my issues. Sex was another issue. I'm working on food now. Anger was an issue. Insecurity was an issue. Depression was an issue. Anxiety was an issue. You know, I go on and on and on and on and on and on of all my issues that I had to continue to give it to Jesus. Continue to give it to Jesus. Believe that he's going to restore me. Believe that he's going to restore my, my mind. Believe that he's going to restore my heart. Believe that he's going to restore my life. Believe that he's going to restore my relationships. 
So I have to get this relationship with Jesus in place before I have been transformed enough to begin to go to other people and say, look, I'm a different person. So I'm not really saying I'm sorry. I've made an amends, which is truly change. You know, that I've been taught that an amends is really, if you look at the root word, is to mend something. It's to bring two things that are apart back together, to sew it together, to mend it. You know, also the Constitution has amendments. There's changes. So as I'm making amends, I'm really saying I have changed. I'm not saying I'm sorry. I'm saying I'm a different individual because of the work I've done, but more importantly, because of what Jesus has done in my life. And typically, before you even go to make an amends, a lot of these people can see how much you've really changed. Your family members begin to see it. Your kids begin to see it. You know, people in recovery begin to see it. You know, I remember very specifically, I ran into one of my old dealers one day, and he's like, how are you? And I'm like, I'm doing great. He's like, you found religion, didn't you? And I just started laughing. I'm like, well, I have a relationship with Jesus. And he's looking at me all cross-eyed. And I'm like, you should come to church. He's like, oh, no, no, no. You know, and I'm like, changed my life. And, and he almost came. But he could see that I was a different person. So he even gave it a thought, you know, that our families, our friends, people around us, our employers, you know, begin to see that we are different people because of the changes that we're making in our lives. But the important piece to this step, really, is that we already kind of know all the people that we've screwed over in our lives. You know, we don't really need to to figure that out. You know, it, it wouldn't take us long to, to even write a new list. Even if we separate ourselves from a fourth and a fifth, we could probably go through and name most of everybody. You know, so the list can be really easy if we just sit down for five seconds, you know. But the willingness, the willingness is the key to this step. You know, and as we're working through our recovery, willingness continues to pop up. Willingness, willingness. How do you get sober? Honesty, open-minded, and willingness. You know, what do you do in your third step? Turn our will over. You know, how do we get sober that we have sponsors or accountability partners, pastors in our lives that ask us to have, do things, that we, they give us suggestions, they really are giving us directions, and we have to be willing to follow them along these spiritual lines. You know, in my addiction, I'm very stubborn, I'm hard-headed, I'm pro- you know, very proud, and I, I want to do what I want to do. And my will continues to destroy everything I touch. So this step is con- you know, continuing to help us to grow along spiritual lines, addressing the fact that even though we've done a lot of this work, we still have an issue in our will. Does anybody have a problem in their will? We all have problems in our will. You know, we take our will back. You know, we have to surrender our will. We have to constantly be turning over our will. You know, there's suggestions still today that people give us that we're like, no, I don't need to do that. You know, and some time goes by and some more pain happens and then we become more willing to do things that we weren't willing to do before. You know, that God has a lot to say about willingness and our will and his will, you know, and He's trying to get our will to align with his will, and then he can do amazing things with very broken individuals as you and I. And you can look through the Bible at some people that are way more jacked up than we are 
And God decided to do some amazing things with those people because they surrendered their will. You know, someone like Saul, who turned into Paul, who was a very religious Pharisee that went around killing Christians. And, you know, he felt it was his call, his duty, and he was being righteous in his own eyes that he was fulfilling the will of God. And then he was met by Jesus and completely transformed his life. And he surrendered his life and he instantly went back to the synagogue to share his testimony of what Jesus had done and how he changed him. You know, so as we are changing, as we're turning our wills over, that our lives are becoming different because Jesus is moving in our lives. You know, that we have a hard time thinking that I have to go apologize to somebody, especially somebody that we still have an issue with. So it's important as we're going through our fourth and our fifth and asking God to help us with our anger, resentment, unforgiveness, that we realize that there may be people that we should and need to make amends to that we feel don't deserve it. But it's not about them deserving it. It's about us being willing to do it. You know, and so this is the point of this step really is where is our will really at? You know, we have these people, you know, we've, we've, you know, lie and stolen and, and hurt people, you know, since we were little kids, you know, and then here we have this list as long as our arm of stuff that, that we've done. And it's like, do I really have to go find all these people? So we start thinking and processing all the people that we would have to go do it. But the question is not going, is the question is, are you willing to do it? You know, and there is something more about us turning our will over and saying, yes, I'm ready to do whatever you ask me to do, Jesus, than it is running out and doing it. Because I can do it in my own will, and God's hand can not really be on me because I haven't really changed much, and I have my self-motives involved, that I have this ulterior motive involved as I'm going to make an apology and try to relieve some of the stress and, and anxiety that I may have because I think you're upset with me because it's not about change yet in our minds. It's about getting something. Where truly this is about releasing something. You know, So it's important that we realize that we have become willing. You know, Just as in the second step that we came to believe. There's this process in coming to believe and becoming willing that there's a connection that my relationship with God, my understanding of who Christ is in my life and my relationship with Him and my understanding of His will for my life and His word in my life, that can truly gives me the power and the strength to become willing in areas that I wasn't willing before. You know, and it, it's so important that we, we look at this stuff, you know, because as I turn my will over, it gives God this opportunity to do amazing things. As I hang on to my will, I feel the frustration of constantly wrestling with God. You know, so this is an important piece to our puzzle because we've already kind of made the list, even though we could rewrite it pretty quickly. 
But are we willing to do what God is asking us to do, even though we said we turned our will over in step three? So even though we've already turned our will over, here he is asking us again to become willing again. Because how often do we wake up in the morning and like, praise you, Lord, hallelujah. And by the time we get to work or by the time it's noontime, we're ready to choke somebody. You know, and, and things are already starting to come out of us that aren't very Jesus-y. You know, and it's always the fun moment when you have somebody that's a non-believer ask you, aren't you a Christian? Oh, that, that hits real deep, don't it? It's like, I'm not representing the Lord very well today. Why? Because at some point, I took my will back. At some point, I was trying to push what I wanted. At some point, I wasn't willing to do what Jesus is asking me to do. There was some principle that the Holy Spirit was saying, hey, let's, let's do it this way. And we're like, no, I'm doing it my way. You know, and the great thing about this is that even if I do make a mistake, I can ask Jesus back into the situation, ask for forgiveness. The blood of Jesus cleanses me of all unrighteousness, that there is no condemnation in Christ because the blood of Jesus has washed it all away. And we can restart. You know, I remember very clearly in my early days of recovery, and people would say, well, you can restart your day at any time. And I'm like, once I get pissed off, I'm pissed off for like a week or three. You know, I had no ability to turn that thing back off. Like, my will was set on, I hate everyone. And I had no ability to dial that thing back. Now today, I can get angry and within moments, it's gone. Because I can give that to Jesus or ask Jesus into the equation. You know, and it's so important that we realize that our will and being willing has a big part to our healing process and the health of our future relationships and the relationships of the people that we have around us today. You know, through the years, there has been so many times, it's even hard to count, of times that pastors or, you know, men of God, even women of God, that have spoken into my life and said, you should not do that, or you should leave that alone, or you should start doing this. And I tense up because I want what I want when I want it. How dare you tell me what to do? Don't you know who I am? And all these egotistical, prideful thoughts start running through my head. And then it's this type of step work that kicks in that I've learned that, okay, and sometimes I say okay, and everything inside of me is saying very not okay. Very not okay. I don't want to do this. Because my last time of going out and coming back in, I realized that I had no idea what I'm doing. I could speak the big book. I thought I had an understanding of some sort of spirituality, even though I wasn't to Jesus yet, even though I'd been going to church and reading a little bit of the Bible. I did not know Jesus. I did not understand Jesus. I thought Jesus was going to church on Sunday. And I was completely mistaken. So when I came back, my word was, okay, you should do this. Okay, you should do that. Okay, you should not do that. Okay. Because I was trying to turn my will over to the best of my ability. And I had no ability, zero ability to release my will. So I just started doing whatever anybody and everybody started asking me. 
you know, and there was times I would say, okay, inside there is this eruption going on. And I am so angry and I'm just barely hanging on because I just want to say, I'm out of here. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm off to the races. I want to run away. You don't know how many times that I've wanted to quit or step down from being a ministry leader to, you know, and being a part of the church. You know, I'm not getting what I want in the time frame that I want. And I'm like literally about to type out the email. I'm literally going to send the text. I'm literally going to make a phone call. I'm literally going to drive to the church to talk to somebody and say I'm done. And the Holy Spirit kicks in and says, do you trust me? And he knows I want to say yes, even though everything in my life is saying no. But I say yes. I trust you. And he always says, sit still. And instantly, I'm angry. Because I don't want to sit still. I want to run away. You know, take action, right? It's not always take action. Sometimes sitting still, being still, and knowing that he is God, and that he will take care of certain things if I trust him. You know, and through the years, probably the prayer that I've prayed more than any other prayer is, I trust you, Jesus. 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 It literally, as I'm saying, I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Jesus. There's tears rolling down my cheeks because everything on the inside of me is freaking out. And I know if I take my will back in that moment, I'm instantly going to be heading to the wrong direction. And I say it over and over and over. I ask for his peace to come. And I start to speak his words over my life. Because I know that my will in this moment is going to set me on a path of destruction. It might not happen today. But I know that I'm about to go the wrong direction. And there was a time in my life where I had no ability to turn my will over to God. That every time that those thoughts clicked in my head, my will would be so strong that I would be on a destruction course that I could not stop. How many times have we been on that path, even after we've made that decision, wherever we're headed, and we hear the Holy Spirit kick in, this is a bad idea, turn around, call somebody, and we've already got it set in our mind that my will, I'm doing this. My will, I'm doing this. So here it is again. Jesus is really trying to address one of our biggest issues. Is are we willing? Are we willing to do it his way? Are we willing to deflate our pride? Are we willing to humble ourselves? Are we willing to take directions? Are we willing to take that next step? Are we willing to to wait? Because this step isn't going. This step is being willing. Are we willing? You know, and when we're in a good day, like, yeah, I'm willing. But what about our bad days? What about when things aren't going our way? What about when work's not going the right way? What about if we get fired? What if you know a relationship is is going crazy or falling apart? Are we willing? Do we 
Do we want Jesus' words to speak into our life and direct us in those moments? Or is it just when things are going right? Is it just when I'm getting what I want? Or is it when he's asking me to do and I don't want? You know, I remember in my early days, even prior to coming to Jesus, you know, and I came to believe, you know, and people would throw around God's will in the meetings. I'm like, how do you find God's will? Because I had no structure. I had no books, and I'm seeking all this stuff out, and it's just me with a lot of crazy thoughts now about God and trying to figure that stuff out. And I'm reading some of the prayers in the the literature, and I'm finally saying the serenity prayer and the Our Father prayers and the prayers that we say in the meetings. How do you find God's will? And I remember very clear one day that somebody said, you have a better chance of finding God's will doing the opposite of what you want to do. Because every time you want to do what you want to do, you end up in, in, in your will and destroying the things that you touch. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I still use that today. I've been walking with Jesus for over 10 years. You know, I'm a pastor. And there's times that I'm in this conflict And I hear that little saying that I picked up in an AA meeting, who knows how long ago, do the opposite of what you want. And I'm like, I can feel it. I can feel my flesh just kick in. No, I don't want to. And that's when I instantly know that I have to do the thing I don't want to do. You know, there's this, this powerful thing of being willing. There's this powerful thing of laying our will down. You know, that Jesus wants us to trust Him. Because He's the only one that can change us. We've been trying to change ourselves for how long? How long have we been trying to change certain areas of our lives? Doing it our way. How many times has it really worked? Uh, Never. At some point, our will kicks back in, and we're right back where we were, if not worse. You know, I remember reading it, and I think it was in The Purpose Driven Life, that, you know, this tugboat driver is driving a tugboat down the river, and he realizes that he's supposed to go the other other direction, repentance. So he, he... grabs the steering wheel because the tugboat's on autopilot, that we're on autopilot when we want to sin. We're just naturally sinners. We're just naturally doing the wrong things, and we don't even realize that that we're just going in the wrong direction. And All of a sudden, we want to repent. We want to change. We want to get sober. We want to leave cupcakes alone, whatever it is. You know, we're trying to get away from porn. We're trying to get pure. We're trying to work on our finances. We're trying, we're trying, we're trying. I'm trying is our battle cry of failure. And we grab that wheel and we steer, we grab it and turn that wheel around and we're hanging on, we're white knuckling change. But if you don't reprogram the autopilot, if you don't have a renewing in your mind, if you don't have a a spiritual experience that is bringing your own personality change, if you're not born again, if you do not have the Holy Spirit, if you do not have Jesus, at some point, no matter how hard I'm trying to stay sober, no matter how many times I've been on a diet, at some point my white knuckling isn't going to work. I'm going to let go of that steering wheel, and my autopilot is going to take me back to the exact same spot, if not worse, because now I feel like a failure. 
Now I have all this condemnation. Now I, I, I tell myself I can't ever do it. Look at me. You know, I'm unworthy. I'm a loser. And all the stuff that we've said over ourselves a million times. And the enemy kicks in and be like, yep, I told you so. Ha, ha, ha. Because we were trying to do change our way. You know, so there's so many times that we're willing. We're willing in our second step. That we become willing. We came to believe that he's going to restore us. Well, God can't restore me. I'm really bad. You know, God can't do this or God can't do that. So that's why it's so important that we have an understanding of who Jesus is. Because when we understand who Jesus is, and we're living according to the Jesus in the Bible, not the Jesus that we learned in Sunday school, or the one that gets thrown around at Easter and Christmas time, or the one that we watch on movies, and all these other, that we really get into our word and, and figure out who Jesus is for us, that that's a God I can turn my will over. If I don't believe in it, in a, and a powerful God that wants to have this intimate relationship with me, that wants to change my life, that wants to forgive all my sins, that loves me no matter what I do, then I'm still going to hold on to my will because I'm not sure if I can trust God. And trust me, there's times that I still have moments where I, I struggle with trusting God. Because I don't under, always understand His hands, but if I can look back at His heart, I know that God loves me and that He is for me, that He's going to work everything around for good for those that love Him according to his purposes, not mine, his will, not my will, that sometimes there's crazy stuff that happens in our lives. And I'm like, where are you, Jesus? And he's like, I got you, yo. I'm right here. And everything in our mind says, no, you're not here. Let me fix it. And how many times have we tried to fix something that's completely out of control and it's gotten worse? And how about those times that we surrendered our will and we hung on, trust in Him, and all of a sudden, miracles and certain things begin to fall into place. We're like, wow, this is amazing. That Jesus is, is here, that He is real, that He loves me. And we have to remind ourselves over and over and over again. The daily bread, manna. You can't store up more than you can have for a day. But I have to press into my relationship on a daily basis that I can't go to church on Sunday and expect that that's going to be enough to get me to next Sunday because I'm jacked up by the time I get home from church. I don't know about you guys. Like, church was enough time to get me to the parking lot. I've literally seen couples come to church arguing, and they step out of the car, and they see that somebody's watching, and they're like, hey, <laughs> praise the Lord, brother. And they come in church, and they're like, Amen. And you can see him the second they walk out the door. They're, they're arguing again. They're picking up, right? They're picking their will right back up. I want what I want what I want. And you're not giving it to me. You're not. How many times have we been fighting on our way to church? We get to church like, hey, I'm good. Hallelujah. You know, that I need Jesus every day. I need to be in my word regularly. I need to be praying every day. I need to be pursuing this relationship, and I'm not perfect. There's times that I, I forget, and I'm like, oh, i got to figure this out. You know, because I'm trying to do it my way. You know, and Jesus is like, hey, buddy, how are you? How's that working out for you? And I'm like, oh. all right, Jesus, 
help me. And like, ding, 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 everything starts to fall into place. You know, that, that it's important that this saying for me has been a very key, important statement. Because as I was sitting, you know, my final day, you know, I was drunk and hiring a kite. And my mom showed up at the house. And to be honest, I thought it was a drug dealer. I would never answer the door. <laughs> I answer the door and she's standing there. And, and she's really normally calm because she's very well educated in the AA that you're Alan on that you can't control it. You didn't cause it. You can't cure it. So you don't, you stay detached. But that day, she pointed at me, are you done yet? And I'm like, it's really bright and sunny out. You might as well come inside since you're here. And we went up into my apartment and all my windows were blocked out because we can't have the light in there. I need my darkness. And I begin to have this argument that addicted Tom is arguing with potential sober Tom. I don't really have a problem. Oh, yeah, you do, buddy. I'm not really an alcoholic. Um, you remember how much you drank last night? You know, I, I began to have this argument. I can only think that she thought I was absolutely insane. And I remember that somewhere in that argument that I made a decision, I'm going to do whatever it takes. That I'd never made that decision prior in my attempts to get sober, my attempts to change. It was like, I'll try it. Okay, I'll go. I'll go to a program. You know, yeah, I'll, you know, if you want. Oh, the cops are making me go, or the parole, or probation, or the judge, or I'm trying to get out of trouble, so I'm trying to make it look like I'm behaving. Look at me, I'm doing good right now. But that moment, that statement that I said, higher than a kite, I'm going to do whatever it takes. Rage true today. That I have to continue to do whatever it's going to take. I cannot give the enemy a foothold in my life. I cannot take my will back. And expect that pain and destruction is not going to happen. That Jesus has proven to me over and over and over again. That his will produces life in a person that has destroyed everything he touched prior to Jesus. So how can I today think that if I am not willing in one area or another, then I'm not going to start going in the wrong direction. And maybe I'll catch myself because I have a decent relationship with Jesus, or I think so. I talk to him a lot. But his will is what's changing every single one of our lives. That there's never a day that I can say, I did this awesome stuff, and look at how good I'm doing. It's always Jesus. That I boast in my weakness, that I am weak 
that I can glorify him in his strength, that he has taken a broken, broken sinner and transformed all of our lives. Every one of us, well, maybe not every, but most of us should be dead. The situations that we've been in our lives, if not dead, in jail, in prison, for a long time. And yet, Jesus has reached into our lives and said, watch me do a miracle with someone who doesn't even think I can do miracles. So I encourage you, as you work through these steps, as you have people speak into your life, as you hear stuff at church, as you hear stuff in recovery, you hear suggestions, really begin to pray and ask yourself, am I ready to turn this over? Am I ready to let God work in this area of my life? Because our willingness is the key to breakthrough, to freedom, because I have no idea how to walk down a road that I've never walked on. So I have to follow the directions of the people that have treaded on that road before me. And I have to believe that a very powerful God that was willing to come to earth, that lived a sinless life, that died a death that he did not deserve, that paid a penalty for sin that I deserve, Because he loved each and every one of us so very, very much that even one of his last statements in the garden is like, hey, Pops, if there's any other way we can make this thing work out, that'd be great. But your will be done. Father, your will be done. Your will be done in my life. Your will be done in our lives. And watch how this loving God begins to do miracles in our lives if we're willing. Would you just bow your heads with me? Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for everyone of us, Lord, that is growing in our process. Lord, so many of us have been stuck and broken for such a long time. And that you are so beautiful and you are so loving that you reach into our lives, when we have this self-will that's run riot, that we have this spiritual bankruptcy, that there's truly nothing good in us. And you say, I choose you. I have a purpose for your life. I have a will for your life. Just give me a shot. Let me show you how much I love you. And that we start down this path of recovery. We start down this path of change. We start down this path of trusting and believing in a God that we've probably spent the majority of our lives saying isn't real. That I don't want religion. But we still don't want religion. That Jesus came for us to have a relationship with the Father. That he brought communion. He brought intimacy. He brought amending between heaven and earth. He came to amend the way we chase after God. He came to, to change everything. Help us, Lord, to let you move again in our lives. Help us to be willing. Help us to lay it down. 
Help us to do whatever it takes to to honor you in our lives. Help us to represent you well. Help us to trust you when everything's going crazy. Lord, we love you so much. And we need you so much. Lord, I ask that you would come into our lives right now, right where we're at, and guide our steps. In Jesus' name I pray. Many, many, many.